Join Rabbi Dr. Reb Mimi Feigelson as she blends stories, teachings, and spiritual direction, inspiring us to inscribe ourselves in the book of life and living. One of the world's most vibrant teachers of Hasidut, this podcast celebrates the life and teaching of Reb Mimi, an essential link in the chain of the Hasidic rabbis who preceded her. Before moving into our learning today, which is going to bring us into uh, Hanukkah this week and next week, even though it's finals, there will be Hasidic Chabur at 12.30. Some things don't change. I wanted to share two comments that were shared on my, uh, on my Facebook feed. And one is uh, from my friend Ravi Chesek. Um, Ravi is also um, Ravi Yoni Gordas, my smicha Chabudai, his life partner. And um, many years ago, about 20, Robbie came to my class and she did a, a, a workshop on four different levels of consciousness and sleeping one of those four levels. There's a way of looking at the four children, some people say sons, some say daughters, for children um, as states of consciousness. And uh, Robbie gave this, did this amazing, amazing um, morning on four states of consciousness connecting to the Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam, the Shein Lo the wise, the not so, the Rasha, the one who's looking for a way in, that's what I call him, <laughs> the whole and complete uh, one and the one who lives in the realm where questions don't exist as four different states of consciousness. So when we were learning together about sleep, it was very much present to me that um, that morning together at Yakal in Yerushalayim. Robbie posted after our first session on sleep, our first learning um, was posted, and the second one went up today, and this will be coming towards Hanukkah. She wrote, whenever I teach about sleep, um, I wrote to her, Whenever I teach about sleep, I think about the workshop you did at Yakal on the four steps of consciousness. I always go back to the room and to your learning. Thank you. Um, and that was because she liked the she liked the uh, the learning. And she wrote back, Mimi. I remembered that too when I saw your post. So we went, I was really grateful to know that the two of us went back to that moment together uh, so many years ago. I just heard a teaching last week on this. A student asked how to let go of ego, suffering, etc. We could add the six days, because that was what we talked about, right? That was one of the questions we posed was, was the six days to Shabbat what our awake life is to our sleep life? He answered, every night you let go of that into dream and deep sleep. Like every night we let go of our suffering, our ego, into dream and deep sleep. And still you are. So you know how it could be effortless like that. I wanted to share that with you. And um, the other was uh, from this morning. And, she, and my friend Kate, who is also from, uh, from my account life, wrote the following. She's in Israel. Uh, yes, yes, and yes. And there's so much more on this, too the different types of sleep, not surrendering, but also becoming one with. Meanwhile, by 20, 28 minutes, I was jumping up and down with my hand 
to say, so how about Havdalah when you wake up? <laughs> so that was uh, Kate. That was uh, Kate Presla. That was her offering as imagine waking up in the morning to Havdalah. <laughs> These are the things I wanted to share uh, with you today and the gifts of Facebook. Okay. Today and next Monday, God willing, we'll be coming, taking our steps closer and closer to Hanukkah. The question I want to pose for today is how far can close be? How far can close be? I'm going to start with Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Natan, and then go into the Gemara for a moment in Masechat Shabbat, where we deal with Hanukkah and come back. Uvchen, Rechem aleinu, lemancha uleman kvodecha. Have compassion upon us for your sake and for the sake of your revelation. That's how I like to look at kavod, God's kavod, God's shechina, God's divine presence. Have compassion on your behalf and on behalf of your revelation in the world. Ushlach ezrecha mikodesh. Send your assistance from a high place, from a holy place. Usadeni vahoshi'eni. And nurse me. Support me. And redeem me. She'ezkel hit'orer me'ata be'emet uvelev shalem la'avodatcha u'liratcha ve'ezkel me'ata la'shuv b'tshuva shlema lefanecha. And may I, so that I merit to awaken. So we awaken in the morning. We awaken into states of consciousness, into ways of being in a relationship that are other and different than what was. To the point that I can serve you with a full heart in truth. And I can be in awe of you, not fear. But I can truly embrace the magnitude of who you are. I want to say even more than that is to not be afraid to embrace that face of the divine. To not be afraid to stand in God's presence with the magnitude of who God is. And I will merit to find my way home to you. I, I prefer thinking about tshuva in that way versus thinking about tshuva of redeeming all my wrongs. Rather, coming home. and to come home to you in the totality of who I am and of what you offer, right? To come home, I want to say to come home not to the God that was, but to the God that is. And not who I was, but who I am, and not who God was, but who God is. Can you say something about la mancha, la mancha? 
it's not something after the appears in our prayers, but like, what is it? If this the whole sentence seems set up on like, a man. Yes. And how that how God's affected by our. Or how Rabbi Nachman might fit, think God is affected, or. I think there's an element here of service and surrender that's being asked. So what does it mean that I can serve you for your sake versus serve you for my sake? Mm. What does it mean that I can serve the divine in order to magnify the glory of the, and the presence of the divine in the world? Not for me, not for what people think of me, mm. not for how holy I will appear to be in the world, and not even how holy I think I am. But there's, there is definitely, I want to say, an element of surrender. There's a way in which I want to think, you know, there's an image of the candle which I find to be um, challenging. Often the candle, as we're entering into Hanukkah, is, is perceived as a, as, a, um, as a way of giving without being diminished. That's what we say, right? Your light isn't diminished by lighting one candle, one source of light to another. But, or and, within the constrictions and the constructions of the physical reality, dirty word, reality, the oil is diminished. The wax is diminished. There is something of ourselves that is diminished. Lemancha means that there is a way in which we, set, we step aside. I share this. Um, it's a story that I've actually asked my friend Amuna. Now I can say it in her name. So I have a memory that when Amuna's boys were five and six, they're now in their late 20s, um, early 30s, and I have this memory that when they were five and six, they were fighting one day in the house. And she said to them, she said, please stop fighting, have compassion on me. And they stopped. <laughs> Okay, so I do have a friend that thinks that that's like the parameters of Jewish guilt have now risen to a new uh. height. But the way I heard it was, and I'm still holding on to it, is what she was saying is, you're a five and six-year-old boy, or four and five, you have every right to fight. That's what brothers do. You have every right to fight. But I'm asking you to step out of yourselves for a moment. And I want to connect you to something outside of yourself. Have compassion on me. Rav Shneur will say that about Chatan and Kala. He says they shouldn't, they shouldn't make, it doesn't make sense. Right? Esh and Mayim, fire and water, they don't mingle. Except in the Shamayim, which is Esh and Mayim. Unless, unless you invite a dimension which is higher than the two of them, and that's what they yearn to, together. And that's where they reach to, together. That's the lemancha. <coughs> I think our ego construction has every right to claim all of our time and all of our consciousness. And then we're asked to make space to step aside for God for God for being in service of God for wanting God's manifestation to be greater for wanting the world to be 
a holy space where God is obvious and evident and present. I think you're right. I think it's really for how you're going to manifest in the world. How do I live this life of service? And that's why is to be able to look God in the eyes and to say, we're in partnership and master the world. My desire is for you to be in your greatness in the world. My desire is for you to be seen in your greatness <coughs> in the world. And I will do whatever I can for you to be experienced in your world in that way. Not only will I merit to come back to you, but as care le cachet at smi vagam le cachet achirim, ledaber alibam velegalot lahem haemet, ulahashivam, bichuvash le malefanecha, kedeshish tabach vit alek vodeha gadol, bakadosh al yadi. Ki ikar kevodeha, ksham ruhakim biotel mitkovi meleha bemet. Ki az is talek vit yakarshma de kucha brihu, ela vetata. If I can do this, then I'm also asking to merit, to adorn myself and others. Not enough for me to make my way home, but how is this journey going to be a journey in which I'm never walking alone? And there are always those walking with me. How do we walk in the street and people say, I don't know what she had for breakfast, but whatever she had, that's what I want. I want, I want some of what she's thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Myself and others. I want to offer her an image of when he, when he offers to speak to their heart. The boy love Yerushalayim. The door is going to be the heart. Speak to the heart of Yerushalayim. Speak to their heart. Right? The way home isn't going to be through the mind. That doesn't mean that there isn't an intellectual process that, that needs to be explored. But there's going to be, at some point, a need, I think, for Rabbi Nachman to say there's going to have to be a surrender of that element. And if you can, I want to say, if you can crack open their heart, then you can reveal to them the truth. It's not for me an external truth. It's an internal truth. It's what resides within them. It's what they've always known. It's what's always been present. How do we learn to name certain feelings and certain emotions differently? Oh, that's God? That's what I was experiencing? That's what I was hearing? That thought that went through my mind? Oh, that's revelation? I thought revelation happened once at Matan Torah. Not daily, not a dozen times a day. That's what partnering with God feels like? Hmm. You know that moment where there's nowhere to go and there's nothing to do and you're whole and complete and you're at peace? Hmm, that's divine. 
אזכה לקשט עצמי וגם לקשט אחרים, I merit to adorn myself and others. Speak to their heart. ושמתם את דבריי אלה על לבבכם. We're told. Words are put on the heart and they sit there until they're ready to make their way in. In your honor, I'll tell the story. Yeah, my first time coming to London to teach at Yakal. And I was interviewed by the Jewish Chronicle on the phone. Terrible paper. Be nice. <laughs> They've since have said nice things about me. At the time, though. I didn't know how you're supposed to talk to reporters. Um, and... So I said, I brought this pasuk, you put my words on your heart. And the Kotzke Rebbe says, why does it say on your heart and not in your heart? You would think. It should be in our heart, not on our heart. So the Kotzke Rebbe says, sometimes we experience something that we don't have the vessels to contain it. What we do is we put it on our heart and we let it sit there. until there's a way for it to seep into our heart. Sometimes we need to sit with it. I can't comprehend it. I can't embrace it. I can see it. I can feel it, but I don't really know what it means. I don't really know what it's about. It sits there until it's able to make its way into our heart. We can sit with it. We can feel what it feels like. We can... identify it, we can acknowledge it. And when the time is ready, then we can bring it in. Then I said, like, like a piece of butter on a baked potato. It sits there until, right, the warmth allows it to make its way into, right? So I get to London and I pick up the Chronicle and it says, me, if I go send wants for spirituality to be like butter on a baked potato. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> I thought, yes, because now I'm completely liberated. Anyone who will come to any of my sessions after they read that, I can say whatever I want. <laughs> right? That expectation of me saying anything that makes sense, <laughs> out the window before I even open my mouth on British soil. Le dober al libam. That also means to not be afraid to speak of God's greatness. Sometimes baby food isn't what they need. Sometimes they need adult food that they can't ingest yet. That's also true. Be aware of it. That's fine. Be patient with it. That's fine. Sit with it and them as they sit with it. That's fine. What is it that their heart needs to hear? What truth is within them that needs to be revealed? It's not, for me, sharing something that they don't know. At times, it's at best naming something that they know. That's what I can offer. And for them to find their way home. 
so that I can merit to do this work on your behalf again. Because truth is, what God makes God really laugh and really smile is when those that think that they are so far when they come home. That is what makes God laugh. And the image that I carry for this is, is the Talmudai. For me, one of the one of the paradigms that I hold on to, and one of the kavanot that I hold on to, is this question of the time which we light Hanukkah candles. The Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, in the second chapter of Masechet Shabbat, from from Daf Kaf Aleph Amud Bet, starts with this question of my Hanukkah. What is Hanukkah? And when asking the question of from when to when do we light? We start with The time is from when the sun sets to when there are no more people walking in the market. For me, a blend between nature and human activity. From the time that the sun sets until we're no longer in the market. And then, (coughs) when the Gemara asks, when is that? Right? The, def- the definition is the ad kama, Amara Rabba Barbarchana, Amara Bihonan, ad de Kale Rigla de Talmudai. Until though the Talmudai leave. So we have Ajtechle Rigl Mishup when no more, when people are no longer in the market. But actually, Rabba Barbarchana, in the name of Rabbi Yohanan, says, no, later than that, the Talmudai. The Talmudai, Rashi will tell us, the Talmudai are those that would come after everything was left. Shem Uma Mirektei Itzim. Hence, I offer the question of the stick collectors. So we have these people, we have a nation called Talmudai, that they would collect sticks, Dakim Itzim, Itzim Dakim, very fine pieces of wood. Umitakvim Bashuk, Ad Shaolchim Bnei Hashuk Levatehem. So I want you to see this image. We have the people in the market. When they're mar- when they're they're done there, they go home. And when their home gets dark, they come out and buy pieces of wood from the people that after they left walked around collecting. The people that will be faceless to us and nameless to us, because we see the face of the people we mingle in the market. But when we're comfortable in our homes, these people then come out of the woodworks to collect little sticks to then offer us light in our homes. And our obligation, the time of our obligation of lighting Hanukkah candles, is from the time the sun sets until they're gone. Who are those that are so far and distant? That is how I understand when Rabbi Nachman talks about those are the Tamudai. 
Not the ones that I ever walk by. The ones that hold the potential for light for me that I don't even know who they are. And was this a regular job throughout the year, or is this just for the time of Throughout the year. Throughout the year. There are always these people that when, you know, you can see, there are some people that will come, let's say, to the shuk, will come to the market the last hour. Why? Because then everything's on sale. Now, it means that they're not going to maybe get the best produce, but they may get good produce, but things are on sale. And then you have people that come after that, right? And whatever's on the floor, that's what they'll pick up. Because some of this produce, the farmers will hold for the next day to sell, and some will say, I won't be able to sell it by tomorrow. That'll go on the floor. And some people will come and clean that. The tongue will die, the ones that come even after that. What does it mean to be accountable to these people? What does it mean that they're the holder of our light? They contain the structure of when we can observe the mitzvah of Ner Chanukah, of lighting our light, lighting our Chanukah candles. What does it mean that when Chanukah is defined as Ner Yush Ubeto, one candle for every household, Yush Ubeto, a person and their household, what does it mean that our lighting light in our home and the core mitzvah is to light in your home? What does it mean that the ones that hold, that define the boundaries of my observance are people that I don't even know what they look like? Until my need for more light may make me leave my home to buy sticks from them. And Rabbi Nachman would say, these kinds of people that don't have a home, that don't have a spirit home, that don't have a God home. How can we bring them home? Why? Because then there's a union of the above and the below. That is when all of God's children come home. How do we hold a consciousness of not being whole and complete until all of God's children know that they are God's children and that they have a home in God's world? Therefore, Rabbi Nachman sees himself at times in this position as well. Right? Are there not times that we feel so far? Are there not times that we don't know the way home? Are there not times that our modes and means of communication with the divine feel to have fell, fallen and collapsed? 
we're not other than them. As close as we are, we can also be that far. And this is what Rabbi Nachman is also asking. I'm not talking only about them. I'm not talking about them at all. I'm talking about me. You may have thought that I had this sense of grandeur from my opening prayer. Chimera to adorn myself and others and speak on their heart and to build and to help them see the truth and the light, right? To bring them back to you. Maybe, Master of the World, I'm actually talking in a third person. <laughs> Maybe I'm talking about me. Maybe there are moments in my life that I feel so far. That I feel so far. I'm asking you. It's like calling every possible venue. Help me, support me, strengthen me, hold me. Help me that I can ascend and, 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 and elevate your holiness from this existence, Ziluta de Galuta, this really low human existence. And then I merit to always lift and, 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 and enhance your holy and great revelation. And may I merit to lift this glory to its higher source to its root, which is which is the magnitude of who you are, master of the world. I don't want to hide. Rav Shlomo would always say, he'd say, don't be stingy with Rothschild. That's what he would say. He'd say, imagine you have an audience with Rothschild. And you walk in and Rothschild says, how can I help you? And you say, you know, I have my student loans. If you could cover them, that'd be great. And then Rothschild starts crying, crying, crying. Right? I have billions. And you're asking me for $100,000? So he would say, never be stingy with Rothschild. And I feel Rabbi Nachman here is saying, I may be a chok. I may be far, but I want to be in your presence and your greatness. I want this picture. I want to bring home this picture from kindergarten. That I tell you, mommy and daddy, that there's a princess. And 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 there's this magnificent chariot. And there's a forest. And on the piece of paper, what one could see with their physical eyes <laughs> is a couple of scribbles that don't look anything like a princess or a chariot or forest. 
I want to be able to bring you my offering and not be afraid of the limitations of who I am. And I bring this in your glory. I bring this as a form of service. And I won't let my self-doubt minimize God's greatness. I won't let the limitations of my existence contract the glory and the magnitude of the divine revelation. Because sometimes we may think that in order to be in that presence of greatness, if we feel that there is no way to gap the chasm, then we'll make the greatness of the other smaller so we can in some way find our way. I think Rabbi Nachman here is offering the challenge of not diminishing God's light so that we can encounter God and that we can manifest God's light in the world. The challenge I think Rabbi Nachman is putting in front of us is to embrace God's greatness to the extent that God will help us take that leap. Yes, it's true. I can't do this alone. The rechukim need the kovim. And the kovim need those who are even closer. Those who are distant need those who are close. And those who are close need the ones who are closer. We're all walking together. Sometimes some people have done work that we haven't. That positions them somewhat closer. But Rabbi Nachman is saying here, on the contrary, sure, you're close. So of course, you would embrace my greatness. But what does it mean for someone to wake up? To say, say, God is here and I do not know. What does it mean to wrestle with our ish part so that God, our personhood, our identity, our ego, our dark side, all those different elements of what that ish is, that Yaakov encounters at night in the dark. That's when we light Hanukkah candles at night in the dark. But truly, ideally, as the day is beginning to set, that's the ideal time to light the candles. Because then it's a question of how do I bring the outside into, into my life? How do I bring the outside into my world? That's help. The later it gets in the night, the harder it's going to be to generate that spark of light. That's also true. Right? Sometimes I know. 
if as soon as I get home, before I do anything, I get on the elliptical, I'll, uh, then I'll get on the elliptical. But if I say to myself, you know, it's been a long day, I'm tired, it's, you know, it's 7, you know, 8.30. <laughs> like, whoa, the amount of work that it takes to get on that elliptical at 8.30. Mm. It's like the amount of guilt trips I need to walk myself through <laughs> in order to possibly get there. I'm not even admitting how many times I do and how many times I don't. But possibly get there. That's also true. And sometimes we're so close we can't even see what's in front of us. And that's also true. And sometimes we're so close that we need to take a step back. That's also true. I'd like to believe that for Rabbi Nachman, how far can close be? Far can be as close as it gets. Right. As long as someone is still asking a question, and even higher than that, the Shainoya Dalish own. Right, because as if there's nothing, there can be everything in a split second. Because if there's nothing, the next moment, whatever there is, becomes everything. That's the truth. In the realm of spirit, that's the truth. In the realm of light, that's the truth. Ner ishubito, not eight, not one extra every day. What's so amazing about Hanukkah is that it's the one mitzvah that everyone is mahadrin minamadrin. Right? The mitzvah is ner ishubito, one candle a day for the whole household. Hmm. Then madrin, ner lekol echad vechad. Each person lights one candle. Then madrim in a madrin, each person lies. First night one, up to eight, according to Bektile. Right, it was a bit Shammai, eight to one, but nonetheless. And the mitzvah that we're all embracing the most expansive way of performing the mitzvah. Find a household that does one candle for all the members of the household every night. The gift of our tradition is that we know how to extract light from darkness immediately. And that Rechokim and those who are far are indeed and in essence the closest. As we make our journey closer and closer to Hanukkah next week, may we feel that if there has been a distance between us and our Father in the, in the heavens and our Mother in the heavens, that we should know that as far as we ever felt, that's how close we always have been. And our sense of topography and geography and God's sense of topography and geography become one. This podcast is supported in part by a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Joey Weisenberg and the Hadar Ensemble. Learn more at risingsong.org. 
For more from the Chef A Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.